Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Come on. Good evening, Mission Church. How are you guys doing today? Come on, you guys feeling good? Come on, it's the 5 p.m. You better be feeling great. Listen, I'm so grateful to be here. I'm truly honored. Uh, this is actually my first time speaking in person. I've preached to you guys twice online, so big shout out to everybody tuning in online. Let us know where you're tuning in from. Put it in the chat. Even if you're watching from the TV, take a moment, grab your phone, let us know where you're tuning in from. Uh, we're so grateful that you joined us today. Uh, but this is my first time actually preaching to you guys in person. And uh, so it's so great to be in the house with you. Uh, I just love the spirit of this house. You know, the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And there is freedom in this place. And I, I can't tell you, I know that every speaker comes up and says this, and we always give a disclaimer. I'm not just saying this about your pastors because they invited us to come. It's kind of sad we have to give a disclaimer when we're just trying to give some honor. But, it, but it's the truth, is that, I mean, we... Not only am I honored to be here, but we love your pastors so much. Um, they are dear friends. They're family to us. I'm so grateful that we get to co-labor here in California, in the Bay Area together. It is such, such an honor to do that and to do life with them. You know, I, I think in the day that we're living in, it's really critical. And I think as, as, as it goes for us pastors, we, we, we have to be very sensitive to what the Spirit of God is saying as a whole and to our individual churches. We have to really lean into discernment. And so it's not just great leadership, it's great reliance and dependence on the Holy Spirit. And I'm so grateful that your pastors don't just lead like that from the platform. We have many off-platform conversations that they, they live their lives in touch and in tune with the Spirit of God and are called for such an hour as this. You know, they always say, like, when it comes to, to pastoring, you can tell a lot about a pastor by their team. And can I just say, you guys have an incredible team. I love your pastors. We love the worship team. Can we give it up for the worship team? And each and every one of you that every week is serving on teams serving as uh, Pastor Joe preached, I think it was maybe last week or a couple weeks ago, we're not called to be spectators, we're called to be workers. And there's, there's, there's something special about serving in the house. And, um, and so just a big shout out to, to everybody that has said yes to Jesus, is serving on teams and moving the mission forward, pun intended, um, as we navigate. Can we give your pastors a big hand? I know they're not here, I know it can be a little awkward. But Pastor Tyler and Rachel, love you so much from the bottom of our heart. You know, because I tell you all the time, not just on the platform, love, love, love you both. Well, I, I want to speak to you today around this idea of marked by maturity. Marked by maturity. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for our time together. God, I just ask that you would come, Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate our hearts and our minds to your word. Lord, that you would help us to see you clearly, to love you deeply and to follow you wholeheartedly. God, you've called us for such a time as this, and so uh, we don't want to be those that are still on spiritual milk, but we want to move on to maturity. So God, do something real on the inside of us tonight. We have not come to play church, uh, whether they're tuning in online or in the house. Lord, transform us in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, 
Amen. Amen. Well, I have my family uh, in the house. I actually have a picture uh, of my family that I'd love to show you. We just got back from Disneyland and uh, had an incredible three days at Disney. You got to do Disney three days. One day is, it's not just, it's, it's not enough. Um, but we had an incredible time. My wife, Jackie, and I, we've been married uh, for 16 years. We've been together for 20. Um, this is my beautiful bride up here. We do ministry and life together. We have three beautiful babies, 10, 8, and 5. She just turned 5. And uh, we, we're just having the time of our life. It's been an incredible season. It's been a, a crazy season coming off of last year, but we're actually on vacation right now. So uh, we just got back from Disneyland. Tomorrow we go camping and uh, super excited. But, but I'm so proud of my kids because we're getting ready to, to wrap up Disneyland. Fireworks went off. We're getting ready to leave Main Street. And they asked the question, hey, dad, do you think we can get some souvenirs? I'm like, man, one of the things I, I was always blown away by by Disney was their excellence and how fast my money goes. It's, ex it's expensive and it goes quick. And so, you know, we're, we're exhausted. We spent three days at Disney and California Adventure and I just looked at them and said, baby, I'm, I'm gonna hook you guys up, but we'll go to the Disney outlet right by where we live. I'll get you a souvenir so you can remember. But I was so proud of them because they didn't give me any lip. And I was expecting a little bit of pushback, but they, they actually went with it. And it brought me back to a time that I was with my mom in the Magic Kingdom at Disneyland. And we're getting ready to leave the park. And for some reason, they put all the good stores on Main Street where you have to leave, right? And they leave that part of the uh, park open an extra 30 minutes just so all the kids can see everything in the windows and all the magic and all the lights and want to go into the stores and ask for toys, so I remember I, my mom, we walked into the store and she needed to get something else. I said, mom, I really want this. It was a stuffed Mickey. I was like, mom, I really want this. You know, it's, it's Disneyland. Can you buy it for me? And so she proceeds to give me the, the magical words in the magic kingdom. No. And it was in that moment that I proceeded to melt down. And I thought, it's just, it's amazing. Here I am in Disneyland in the magic kingdom, been eating sweets all day rode tons of rides, and now because I can't get a stuffy, everything is ruined. It's like the day is bad. I can't believe you hate me, mom. Like, a little spoiled kid. And, uh, and I was just, you know, I was thinking, I was like, man, my kids did not respond like that, thank the Lord, but I did. And I wonder how many moments like that are ruined over proverbial stuffies. Like, really think about it. How many of us have been on vacation, get into an argument, and everybody's too prideful to want to, to budge or to apologize, so we're sitting looking at the most beautiful backdrop ever with a, huh, a little attitude, right? A proverbial stuffy, focused on something and missing the bigger picture. I think about, I think about moments uh, uh, whether whether uh, it's in a, with a married couple or whatever, you could be having a great dinner. You get into a little conversation. And that conversation starts to heat up, heat up, heat up, heat up. And all of a sudden, a beautiful dinner because of one ridiculous conversation completely goes rogue and it's all bad. Just moments. Now, I, I'm not a, a sports guy. I'm just not that. I like to play sports. I don't like to watch sports. But I jumped on the bandwagon when the Warriors started to win a few seasons back. 
and I got really into it. I never wanted to be that guy that's staring, standing like a foot away from the TV, yelling at the TV. And, uh, and so, so I, I kind of fell into the trap. And here we are. My wife is in her last trimester with our, our beautiful little Hannah, our, our last child. Um, and and she, she's sitting there and she's like, babe, can you rub my feet? And I looked at her like, like the game is on. And at the time, the Warriors, they were down. They were losing. And so I was really into the moment. I just wanted to, you know, see what was going to happen. And so I'm standing just about a, a, literally a foot from the television. I'm looking back like, babe, it's, all, it's almost over. It's almost over. And I'm just, I'm that guy. And I can't believe it. I'm like, man, babe, I actually, I'm turning into that guy. While my, my wife is here, beautiful gift from God, just wanting her feet to be rubbed. Right? She's carrying a miracle child. Totally missing the big picture. All because of a proverbial stuffy. I think so many times we, we forget that we're living in the kingdom, ladies and gentlemen, as followers of Jesus. And we find ourselves distracted by so many different things. So many small things. And now some of you guys might be saying, well, listen, I understand the maturity level for a kid to throw a tantrum. But, but I'm way more mature than that. But I think like adults, I think as adults, sometimes our, our tantrums just look a little bit different. They're a little bit more polished. Would you guys agree with me on that? Like, like instead of saying pride, I'm prideful, we, we don't say that. We, we know too much. We don't say I'm prideful. We just say, oh, I'm passionate. <laughs> I'm just passionate. Right? We, we say things like, um, I'm not entitled. I just have the right to speak my mind. Right? Or, or we say, I'm not controlling, I'm just consistent. But, but literally, they're, they're still tantrums. And that drops us right into the heart of our text as the Apostle Paul wants to help us along these lines of spiritual maturity. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. It says this, it says, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Now, this is going to be the theme throughout our time together, this reality of living our lives in him. Now, let me set the stage real quick. The Apostle Paul is, is really writing to the church of Colossae to warn them and to encourage them in regards to false teachers and staying away from myths and ideologies that could lead them astray, that could keep them uh, from maturity while they focus on proverbial stuffies. Right, Maybe the most popular teaching or the wind of doctrine in their day. And so the Apostle Paul is focused on spiritual maturity in this text. And he says, I, I, want, you, I want you to continue to live your lives in him. Now, now he wasn't saying, I, I, don't want you, I, I want you to avoid the world or stay away from the world. He says, no, I, I want you to mature in the midst of the world. I want you to, to look and live completely different. Now, how does that happen? He continues in verse seven and he says this, let your roots grow down deep into him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Let me just stop right there. Look at this for a minute. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. He was saying, I want you planted. I want you fixed firmly. I want you stable. I want you mature. Now, a lot of times we think when it comes to spiritual maturity, we may think about somebody that can pray really well. Anybody have to pray after that one person that prays like they were with the Apostle Paul? And you're like, why couldn't I go first? 
And maybe they even have an Australian accent. It makes it like all the more spiritual, right? A generation, Lord, do it, right? So much more spiritual. Or, or maybe when you think about spiritual maturity, you think about somebody that has a verse for everything. Like, man, I'm feeling a little bit lonely. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm having a tough day. God will work all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? And you're like, I get it. And, and those are marks. Those are marks of spiritual maturity, right? A, a deep prayer and intercession life, uh, knowing and meditating in and on the scripture, totally. But there's a mark here that Paul is getting ready to reveal to us that a lot of times we don't really think about. Paul said, I want your roots to go down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I don't think we many times correlate thankfulness with spiritual maturity. He says, I want you to live in him. I want you to build your lives on him. And then he says, what? The promise is then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. In other words, if you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. Is that your maturity in Christ will only be as deep as your thankfulness. Like you may have a lot of knowledge, but how is your gratitude? Because spiritual maturity, it's a wondrous life. It's a joyful life. It's a, it's a humble walk. It's living life with fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's a life of servanthood. It's a life of worship. It's a life of simplicity. It's a life of love, all motivated by a heart that's grateful. Motivated by a heart that is incredibly thankful. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he says, uh, to present our bodies as living sacrifices. And a lot of times when that passage is preached, that's where we start. Present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your reasonable act of worship. But he doesn't start off there. He says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercies, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Because it's only reasonable in light of his mercy. Because as you begin to get your eyes fixed upon his mercy, it radically changes your motivation and you gladly lay your life down for the one who has given everything for you. And so you can see the motivation of thankfulness and gratitude, how it permeates our heart when our eyes are fixed on his mercy. And we see all throughout the scripture, men and women overflowing with thankfulness, leaving their jobs, walking away from social structures, and status, losing their homes. I mean, we, we think about people willfully walking away from sin gladly and joyfully, and people embracing persecution, even death, overflowing with thankfulness. And so my question to you, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, is are we becoming more grateful or more of a grumbler? And, and, and if you're not sure, ask somebody close to you who loves you and, want to see, and they want to see God's best in your life. Ask that person. And if you get one of these like, well, I mean, you probably know you're not doing too well. Right, pay attention to the words that are flowing out of your mouth because Matthew and Luke give us this beautiful insight and, and they let us know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if thanksgiving is not flowing from our mouth, maybe it's because there's entitlement in our heart. 
And I really believe this is something that we, we really got to grab a hold of. I think it's really important because there's something about a thankful heart that moves the heart of God. Psalm chapter 51 says it this way. It says, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows you made to the most high. Then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. There's just something about a thankful heart that moves the heart of God. Make your sacrifice one of thanksgiving. And so the question is, is how do we cultivate that heart? Like, like where, does, where does that begin? Like, Pastor Matt, that's great. I know we could all probably use a little bit of a tune-up on our gratitude, especially because a lot of us have been beat up and we've gone through a lot. But, but where, where do we begin? If you're taking notes, I want you to jot this down. This is where I believe we begin, is that thankfulness comes when there's contentment with God. Thankfulness starts. This is where it starts. When God is enough, when God is your source, Paul, Paul is, is, is encouraging us to be uh, rooted in him, built on him. Paul is constantly trying to get our hearts throughout the book of Colossians to realize that Jesus is the architect of all things. He's supreme over all things. He's the sustainer over all things. He's the savior. And when you and I live a life that's surrendered to him, relying on him and rooted in him, it's in that place, Paul says, you're gonna discover a secret. You're going to tap into a mystery that so many people are longing for, whether they know it or not. You're going to tap into this beautiful reality found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. Paul, the apostle, one of the most taken out of context passages in all of scripture. The apostle Paul says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance. Let that settle in real quick. I've learned to be content in any, in every circumstance. It's funny because I think a lot of times our thankfulness and gratitude is determined on our circumstance. If things are going great, I'm thankful. Plate's full. If it's empty, where are you, God? Why have you left me here? But Paul said, no, in any, in every circumstance, I've learned to be content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do all things through him, who gives me strength. And so Paul is like, listen, when I'm walking with him, when I'm rooted in him, when my life is built on him, I'm gonna start to see things a little bit differently. Things start to shift. They start to change. Paul said, I've learned. The good thing about this reality of learned is that if Paul can learn, so can we. That Paul didn't wake up one day like, I'm content. It's a miracle. No, he said, I've I've learned because Paul had to go through some stuff. If anybody knew about circumstances, it was Paul. Like like when the Lord shows up and says, hey, Paul, uh, welcome to the ministry. Welcome home, bro. You're going to suffer for my name. Hey, thanks. Great to be a part of the family. So glad I joined the church, right? And so Paul knew what it was like to go through these circumstances, but he says, man, when life is in him, when my life is lived in him, built on him, now life through him, Everything changes. All of a sudden, my, my choices on how I see things starts to get impacted. So many times, thankfulness and gratitude, it's a choice, but it's a learned skill. But it can only happen when our lives are rooted in him, built on him, 
And when we're living our lives through him, Paul said, that's, that's the only way. Because Paul understood that God will infuse strength until provision comes. And so either way, I know that I'm going to be solid. And Paul just expounds on this all throughout the epistles. Let me give you another point. Um, Colossians chapter uh, three, verse 16 and 17, he says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. That word admonish, it actually means to almost like to rebuke. And, and I think it's funny because he says, he says, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit. So it's almost like, let me like rebuke you with a song. Like, don't do that. <laughs> I mean, how do, you, how do you even translate that? But he says overflowing. He says that, that uh, we, wanna, we wanna do that through psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit, singing to God with gratitude. How many of you guys know that's, not, that's why I'm not on the worship team? Thank the Lord. Give him some thanks and some praise right now. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. I can do all things through Christ, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. And the reason why I believe that the Apostle Paul is the writer of Hebrews, is the author of Hebrews, or the writer of Hebrews, is because the language is the same. Look, look what it says, Hebrews 13, 15. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. And so are, are you getting the picture? Paul is like, when I'm rooted in him, when I'm built on him, when I'm living my life through him, when I realize that he is enough, that he is my strength, there's a contentment that comes. And that contentment with him alone produces a thankfulness in every circumstance. But it's only possible through him, in him, built on him. It's the only way it's possible. That's why it's so important that we know him. So Paul is, is calling us to a deeper maturity. Now, sometimes I think we get contentment confused with complacency. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Like when God is your everything, it doesn't, it doesn't lead you to a place like this. How, how are you doing today? Oh, just content content in Jesus, living content. No, it, it emboldens you. When your life is in him, built on him, living life through him, it emboldens you. It, it, it gives you a greater confidence because you know your limitations and you know that he's limitless. That, that he has power and access to go to places and to do things that you don't. It emboldens you and it puts a little tenacity and a little fire underneath you to move. Because you know who he is. You know, I, I think about when I went to Israel, some people would love to go to Israel with a guy, with, without a guide. Just drop me in Israel and let me, let me just freelance the land, right? The holy land. But can I tell you, a guide can make or break your trip. I, I went to Israel. Let me, let me show you a quick picture. I, I'm in a space right here. I can't even tell you where I was. It's so top secret. And the only reason why I was here is because of the guide. Your God can make or break your trip. Our God, he's in the military. He took a group of pastors, or it was a group of pastors that were on this trip together. So we had like the best of the best. He was an archeologist in the military and he had so much authority, so much power and so much access 
We got to put our feet in places that nobody gets to go. I am in an excavation site right here, which is off limits in Israel. Like you just can't do that. And if I told you where I was, some of you guys would be like, what? Others of you might not know, you might be like, huh? <laughs> but it, it wasn't because I'm amazing. All I had to do is simply listen and be obedient. And life is an adventure with God, man. If you think that obedience equals a life of disappointment, I'm just telling you, you've got a distorted picture of God. And that's why it's so important that we know him. Because God will take you places that you could have never dreamed of. Because he has a power and authority and an access that all of us need that transcend any of our ability, any of our wisdom, and any of our access to the places. If I went to Israel by myself without this guy, no access. But through him, oh man, it was such an amazing trip. Can I just encourage you? My point is this, Paul is saying we need to know him. We are living in a time where we need that power, we need that authority, and we need that access. That's the day that we're living in today. And it happens when our lives are in him, built on him, living through him. Second thing is this, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, that thankfulness can only overflow when God's character shapes our perspective. It can only overflow when God's character shapes our perspective. That's why we desperately need him. There's a gentleman by the name of Phil Hansen. He's an artist. And he fell in love with this type of art called pointillism. And you can watch his stuff on TED Talks and YouTube. Well, pointillism is where you create a portrait out of just dots. Well, on the journey, he came uh, down with some nerve damage in his hand. And so his dots weren't so much like dots anymore. And he tried and he tried and he tried and he just could not do it. All of his dots became lines. He became discouraged and he quit. So one of his art teachers said, hey, why, why don't you just embrace the shake? Like, why don't you just embrace the nerve damage and just see what type of masterpiece you could create? So he loved pointillism so much, he had this idea that what if I just painted on a bigger canvas? Maybe people wouldn't be able to see the squiggly lines, so that's what he did. He, he would paint on huge canvases, and his lines on a huge canvas started to look like dots, so he, he almost created his own type of art, all because he embraced the shake. See, see I, I, let me show you a picture of the Mona Lisa that he did. He did this Mona Lisa from hamburger grease. It's a large portrait on hamburger grease. You see, thankfulness, ladies and gentlemen, is not based on how good your circumstance is, but on how good you perceive it to be. Wow. Let me say that one more time. Thankfulness is not based on how good your circumstance is, but on how good you perceive it to be. The hard part is we've been through some stuff. And so our perspective gets skewed. We start to see through different lenses of pain. We start to see God through dis different lenses of distortion because some of the stuff that we've been through. And it's so important that we get to know him and we don't have a distorted view of him because look at the will of God for your life. First Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Paul says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Like, just look at that for a minute. God's will is for you to give thanks in all circumstances in Christ Jesus. 
but it's hard to give thanks in all circumstances because many times our lives are compartmentalized between good circumstances and bad circumstances. And we all have a lens that we see God, that we see life, that we see others, that we see ourselves and we see the world through. And if that's distorted and we're not seeing God appropriately, man, it can be really hard to be thankful in all things. And we start to compartmentalize. Like, let me give you an example. If our circumstances are good, we just feel amazing. Right, pulled up to Costco, got my spot, boom. God is on the move. The presence of God flowing and working everything out. Right, your faith is being built, you're encouraged. But then on the other side, when circumstances aren't so well, there's some events we'd wanna forget, some people we'd rather forget. We find ourselves in moments of pain and abuse and we don't feel the sense of God's presence. We don't feel like God is working or God is moving. Our faith is shaken and it can be really hard to embrace the shake when we're trying to see God through our circumstances. So you can't really see. So many times we try to see God through our circumstances and we're wondering, man, what is going on? God, why is it so hard for me to be grateful whether my circumstances are good or bad, why am I so tossed to and from? Why does my heart feel like politics sometimes? Back and forth, back and forth with no rest. It's because many times we try to see God's character through our circumstance, rather seeing our circumstance through God's character. It's a big, that, it's a big difference. It changes the game. In John chapter 11, let me give you kind of a point in case. John chapter 11, verse 25, Martha and Mary have a brother by the name of Lazarus. And he's sick, doesn't look good. So they send word to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, um, the one you love is sick. Jesus sends word back to Martha and Mary, tells the messenger, oh, it's okay. Tell them that this sickness will not end in death. Well, there's some time and space by the time the messenger gets back to Martha and Mary. So by the time they actually get there, uh, the messenger gets there. He, he tells them the good news. Hey, Martha, Mary, Jesus said it's not going to end in death. The only problem is, is that he already died. So now all of a sudden they're torn and they're confused between what they're seeing and what Jesus is saying. They're trying to see God now through their circumstance. They're trying to see his character through their circumstance. And then Jesus finally makes his way back. He weeps with them. And they, they, say, they say to him, Jesus, if you were only here, my brother wouldn't have died. And what does he do? He gets their eyes off of their circumstance and onto his character. He looks at me, he says, he says this to them. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who lives and believes in me will never die. And he who believes in me and dies will live. What was he doing? He was saying, man, you're trying to understand my character through your circumstance rather than understanding your circumstance through my character, through who I am. Paul says, listen, when we mature, when we just don't rest in our circumstance, but when our hearts and our faith is resting in God's character, no matter the circumstance, it's a mark of maturity. It's a mark of maturity. Last one is this. Thankfulness comes when we realize that everything good comes from him. When we realize everything good comes from him, James chapter one, verse 17, James says it this way. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. In other words, everything good is a gift. 
So see, thankfulness begins when entitlement ends. I love this quote by Ronald Rollheiser out of his book, The Shattered Lantern. He says this, the original sin of Adam and Eve, the prototype of all sin that leads to idolatry is presented as failure to be receptive and grateful. You think about Adam and Eve, they had everything for their enjoyment in the garden. They had God. He gave them all the trees and the fruit, except for the one. He said, this one tree, you don't need that. You have everything, but that one, you don't, you don't need that one. But what does Satan do? Satan comes and says, oh yeah, you, you need that. Matter of fact, you deserve that. And he gets their eyes off of the kingdom and onto the stuffy. It's amazing that in this moment when they ate the fruit, life ceased to be a gift as they proceeded to eat what they believed they deserved. No gratitude. No thankfulness. Isn't that how every sin starts? Like Think about lust. Lust is simply feeling entitled to thoughts you've never given permission to think. Or unforgiveness. Feeling entitled to hold on to something in light of all that God has forgiven us. It all starts with a, a lack of gratitude. Luke chapter 17, let me just close with this story. Luke chapter 17, there were, were 10 lepers. Leprosy was, was a, a very traumatic disease, a flesh-eating disease. It would tear you apart. It was nasty. Not only were you isolated uh, physically from people because it was contagious, but socially, no one would touch you. No one would hug you. So there were 10 lepers. Long story short, Jesus heals them. And they all go out and, and, and begin to live their life. Jesus said very clearly, he said, listen, go show yourselves to the priest. And on the journey, each of them was healed. Just get this picture for a moment there. Some of them might've been limping, limping. Some of them might've been running. Some of them might've been walking. But as they're walking to show themselves to the priest, their sores are healing up. Like life is coming back into their body. And it's like, oh my God, I couldn't run before, but now I can run. Remember, they used to have to go everywhere and just yell out, unclean, unclean. It'd be like somebody without a mask in Safeway during COVID, like, like times a thousand. Unclean, meaning get away, I'm coming through. So all of a sudden life and breath and hope. And they go show themselves to the priest. It's like, I get my life back. And how, how special to go and be able to live your life again, or maybe for the very first time. But what are they focused on? Nine of them focused on, what can I do? What can I grab? Where can I go? And it's understandable because they've been hurting for so long. But only one of them who was a Samaritan, as he's running, as his body is healed, as life is coming back in, he stops. And he's like, man, that dude just, he just healed me. Everyone else is running for their life. Only one stops and turns and looks towards life and, and, and begins to walk back and say, I, I've got to say thanks. I'm a Samaritan. I don't even deserve this. I'm a Samaritan. He's a Jew. He, my body is healed. And he comes back 
And look what it says. It says, when one of them saw that he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. So when we say, listen, man, lift your voices to God and praise. It's not hype. We're trying to hopefully just express the gratitude and the thankfulness of all that he's done for us. Not trying to just, you know, have a hype service. No, we want to have thankful hearts that are praising him. And look what it says. He says he fell face down at Jesus' feet in thanksgiving to him. And he was a Samaritan. We're not all 10 cleansed, Jesus asked. Where then are the other nine? Was no one found except this foreigner to return and give glory to God? Then Jesus said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Can I just say that thankfulness always stops and speaks? Like gratitude, you can have it in your heart, but no one will know unless it's expressed. And so, so he stops and he speaks. He throws his face down and listen to what the Lord said. The Lord says, go, your faith has made you well. Now that phrase, he's not speaking about his body. His body's already healed. He's speaking about his soul. And so I just thought about this. Ten, nine other lepers, they're running out for their life, but they're gonna find themselves empty again. Healed, but empty. Because they're gonna reach for all the stuffies. I'm back to life, I'm back to life, I'm back to life. But only one, because of thankfulness and gratitude, a door was open that wasn't just gonna change his physical body, but was gonna change the entire atmosphere of his heart from now until eternity. That is amazing. So I wonder today how many doors are shut and how many doors could be open depending on the posture of our gratitude. Like nine missed out, but a door of salvation was open to this man because he came back and he said, you're the one. Life in you, built on you, living through you. That's where I want to, I want to be with you. I wonder how many marriages could be restored. Maybe even in this moment, if we begin to get thankful again of the gift that God has given us in one another. And we just take a moment and we stop in light of all the proverbial stuffies, we lay them down and we just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my husband. I wonder how many singles purity could be spared it's from a heart of gratitude for the Lord. Like you've called me for such a time as this, for this hour, for this moment, to be single and to be about kingdom business. God, I'm gonna rejoice. I'm gonna give you praise. I wonder how many souls would be refreshed if we would stop and cultivate a heart of thankfulness. I wonder how many lives would be changed this moment if we just stopped and gave him praise. I want to pray for you tonight. Whether you're tuning in online or you're in person, maybe somebody you just need to take a moment right now and say, man, Lord, I, I've been more of a grumbler. And I've been grumbling far more than I've had gratitude. And you just need to take a moment and repent. Man, just take the moment. Just right now, you and the Lord, everybody, every head bow, every eye closed. Even if you're at home, just go ahead and bow your head, close your eyes, unless you're driving. Don't do that. And just tell the Lord where you're at. He knows. 
beautiful thing about the kingdom of God, it's not a ladder system. Your son and a daughter, it's not like you slide all the way back down the ladder and gotta climb up. No, 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 you just, you're in relationship. Maybe somebody needs to surrender your life to Jesus for the very first time. Maybe for some of you, it's been more of a religious routine, but it's time to, it's time to live life in him, built on him, living life through him. You need some access where you're limited, some power where you, you don't have the strength. If that's you, whether you need to come to the Lord for the first time or maybe you need to rededicate your life, can we all just pray this prayer together? Just say, Lord Jesus, Lord, today I surrender. Thank you for saving me, for dying on the cross, that I would be forgiven. Your mercy, your grace. Lord, today I confess my sin and I ask that you would forgive me for all unrighteousness. I believe you not only died, but you rose again on the third day. I wanna see my circumstances through your character, not the other way around. I give my life today. I confess you as Lord. I'm all in. Would you heal my heart? Would you touch my mind? Fill me with your spirit and give me a hunger for your word that I might live a life of gratitude, of thankfulness, marked by maturity. Life in you, built on you, and through you. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.